Are you selling your medical devices in the UK? And because of Brexit, you need a UK responsible person by January 1st, 2021? Okay, then you should contact me now by email at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info at easymedicaldevice.com. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we will help you to register your medical devices in Mexico. So I have with me Josue Garza, uh, Director of uh, Business Development and Operation at IPS. And he will help us to uh, make this or to register your products in, uh, in Mexico. So Josue, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Oh, Monir, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and help your audience uh, get familiarized with the uh, registration process in Mexico. Yeah, great. So yeah, we are really, we are um, focusing a lot on this podcast also on the registration in Europe, but I'm trying to pick some countries one after the other and say, okay, let's go now to the US or let's go to Brazil or, and uh, to, today we choose Mexico. So let's go to Mexico and see how, uh, how people can register their products, uh, products there. So, but before that, so can you introduce yourself just to explain who you are and maybe a bit more about IPS? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, well, generally, um, general overview about myself, I've been in IPS as Director of Business Development and Operations for over five years. Um, and what we basically do is help medical device manufacturers and distributors to obtain market access in Mexico. Um, I've also had experience working in nonprofit organizations in the uh, public government, in the government agencies, um, and also in the private sector, um, in a political party as well in Mexico. So my background is pretty diverse. I have also a bachelor's in international relations. Um, but uh, ever since I transitioned to the medical device industry, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of opportunities there, a lot of opportunities to grow. It is an industry that keeps on giving and it never stops and you never stop learning about even the products or the industry itself. So it's a very fast paced industry evolving constant, continuously. So that's something that really attracts me and attracts the company itself to keep growing and to keep uh, getting better at what we do. And that's guiding clients in Mexico. No, I think it's, it's great. And uh, you are right. I mean, uh, for me also, I see that the, the medical device industry is growing, changing. It's, there is a lot of conversion and it's something that is really interesting. Also with regulations, the regulations are changing every day, if I can say, in all over the world. So we have also to, to keep up to date and to help those people to register, register there. Yeah. Yes, right now with uh, COVID, uh, we had to relearn some, well, not relearn, but um, learn some new things, how the regulatory authority in Mexico, which is COVID priest, is uh, going to regulate the COVID test, for example, or how it even is regulating antibacterial gel or so, sanitizer. And uh, so these are things that were already in, in uh, regulation, but we had to, uh, since 
those are products that we don't often uh, uh, register. We had to go back and see how that was regulated. And, and so, so it's been a, a learning experience even right now with COVID. Yeah, you, you are right. So um, I think yeah, a lot of countries have learned also uh, to be more flexible within their regulation due to COVID because, I mean, there is an urgency here to have more tests or more uh, PPE or more uh, equipments to save lives. So no need to spend too much time in the administrative things, but a bit of time, but not too much. So I try to find some accelerated way to do that. Um, okay, so let's try to find now how manufacturers or medical device manufacturers can register products to uh, in Mexico. But before that, can you tell us more about maybe the market in Mexico? Is it more, are you more importing? Are you more exporting? What is some market share maybe just to understand a bit of the demand of medical devices in Mexico? Yeah, I think in both, uh, it's a mix. I would uh, say that it's, it's a mix between importer and exporter. And there are many uh, data that probably your audience does not know that I'd be happy to share. For example, that uh, Mexico is uh, a top consumer of medical devices, you know, like both uh, consumer and, and exports has grown constantly since the past five years okay. and it continues to grow. Um, Mexico is a big population. So it's, that's, that's the attractive as well as you can compare it in Latin America with Brazil. You know, it's a big population. It has 130 million people. So that is a, an attractive market for medical device manufacturers or people coming into Mexico to sell. Um, it, it, one of the uh, largest producers in Latin America, it is, uh, top to, it's in the top 20 of exporting countries in the world. It is number eight, I think. And it is number 14 importer countries in the world. It's also within the top uh, 20. So that is a big, uh, Mexico is in the top 20s, say in medical devices. So that is a very big position for us. Nice. It's also the number one supplier of medical devices to the US, more or less to give you an idea of how interrelated we are with the US. It uh, provides more or less 90% of its export to the US market. And it specializes a lot of like dental supplies, um, even medical equipment. You know? So we uh, end up manufacturing a lot of medical devices that go end up going to the U.S. market. You know, we don't consume those. Uh, like many of those, we don't consume, but we make them and we export them. And it is backed up by multinational companies that are settled in Mexico. For example, Medtronic, BD. Um, and Terumo, uh, big manufacturers are located in the northern part of Mexico. They take advantage of free trade agreements, low cost of labor, high and, and good labor, you know, qualified labor, and that can manufacture. But Mexico is also experiencing um, a um, development of medical devices. Okay. You know? It is not... Uh, happening um, quite at the moment as fast and, and, and the government has not backed up many of these companies, you know, with um, maybe some uh, funds to them to encourage development of medical devices. But there's uh, specifically some areas within Mexico, the country, that are specializing in making these medical devices. So from beginning to end, not only manufacturing certain parts. 
So that's a big change and a big trend that is happening in Mexico that we can see in the future maybe uh, being something that shifts. No, I think it's great. And um, I think this, these are, if I can say, good numbers or good situations so to attract also manufacturers to uh, to sell their products to, to Mexico. Um, if you are, I mean, we talk about Mexico, but there is also maybe other Spanish countries uh, in Latin America that can benefit also by uh, by coming to this uh, to this region. So I suppose there is also a way if you arrive to Mexico to be also going to other countries in, in Latin America. Um, yes and no. Uh, I think that coming to Latin America or to any other country, you should approach it to what the dynamics are in that country. Okay. A lot of um, manufacturers try to implement the same strategies that they implement in Brazil to Mexico. Okay. But regulation speaking, they're different. Uh, the market is different. The partners are different. Landscape is different. So I would um, have a Mexico approach only, you know, to have that uh, as a strategy for um, uh, manufacturers that are trying to get market access in Mexico and not try to replicate what you do in maybe Chile, Colombia, or Brazil. You know, I think there are many things in, happening in Mexico that are very specific to Mexico you know, that uh, it, and, and it might take a while to get a hold of them if you're coming from um, maybe Europe, the US, from other countries. But if you are looking into a strategy that is long-term, um, I would recommend having that approach, you know, a long-term strategy for sure. No, I think it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's the same as if you are registering in Europe and in the US, it's not the same countries, not the same regulations. So you are, you are not able, if I can say, if you register to Europe to go directly to, to, to the US. So um, if, if, if we want now to go more deep dive, if I can say, in terms of registration. So what in, the, in Europe, for example, you need CE marking. In the US, you have different pathway like uh, 510K or PMA uh, registration. So what are the different pathways to register your products, a product, a medical device in, in Mexico then? Yeah, I think Mexico is very straightforward with the paths of, of uh, registration. There are three pathways. Okay. One is the standard review process. The second one is the equivalency agreements. And the third one is registering through an authorized third-party reviewer. Okay. So those are the three pathways. So I'm going to break them down. Okay, great. So the standard uh, review process is very straightforward. You assemble your dossier that's compiled with technical and scientific information, administrative and legal information. You uh, finish your dossier and you submit it directly to Cofepris. Right? And the review times um, now, since April of 2020, they've uh, been more, um, they've increased, right? Because Cofepris is prioritizing on COVID-19 products and also they're understaffed. Uh, and uh, there's been, been many challenges right now with Cofepris. So I would say that um, to set the right expectations would be between 10 and 12 months for market approval. Okay, so really, I mean, for every product or for low-risk product, maybe it's lower and for high-risk product, it's, it's longer? Well, for so in Mexico, we have, going a little bit back, we have... Um, 
medical devices are classified in, in four categories, four, well, four, four classes in six categories. And uh, the classes are the low risk and uh, class one, class two, and class three. Okay. And categories are six. And I know in Europe you have IVDs as a separate uh, regulation. Yeah. But in Mexico, they're all within the same regulation. So you have medical equipment, processes, orthoses, and functional aids, diagnostic agents. Um, so that would be the diagnostic agents compared to IVDs. Uh, supplies for uh, dental use, surgical and healing material, and hygiene products. So those are the six categories, right? So going back to your question, would it be less time to register a low risk or a class one? Yes. In theory, they would have to approve them in 30 business days. That's what the loss is. But uh, in practice, that might it's longer, right? We know that it's longer, but it would be faster than a class two or a class three device. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, as you've said also with the current situation also uh, with coronavirus, I think there is a lot of priorities made on, on other products. So if you arrive even with a class one or a low risk product, maybe it will take longer because then there is other priorities in place there. And a low risk product uh, doesn't even require a GMP. Uh, it's a very straightforward, it's more like an administrative um, uh, registration with administrative documents. If you uh, want to register a foreign uh, low-risk product, then you would need, in Mexico, a uh, letter of authorization uh, from the manufacturer to register. So that would be the most complex document that you would have to uh, okay. request and the lengthiest to obtain. No? Sometimes it takes a while to legalize and do all that process. Yeah. Okay. And uh, is, it, is it better, I mean, uh, in terms of legalization or everything, uh, all the process of registration, so is it better to, um, to just call the Ministry of Health? How do you call it exactly? COFEPRIS. Uh, COFEPRIS. Co the Commission, uh -huh, the Federal Commission for Protections Against Sanitary Risks. Okay, so That's if... Mexican FDA, COFEPRIS. So is it easy to just call them and say, I want to register, here are the documents, or you should really be there to uh, go through the process, meet office number 30, and then go to office number 25, and then go to <laughs> all these yeah. things. So is it really the, this thing, or you can just call them, send them the document per email, and it's fine, it's done? So that's one of the uh, things that I think shocks our clients, especially the ones in the U.S., that... Um, I think with the FDA, you have a dialogue. You know? yeah. I compare it to a dialogue. And, and, and there's, you don't have to wait until the end to get uh, the, the full review of your application. In Mexico, you have to um, submit a, a good, a great application from the first time. You, you need to make sure that your application is going to be approved the, the first time. Otherwise, you have to wait all of that review time and then to get uh, approval or to get a request from COFEPRIS. And when you, re you get a request from COFEPRIS, which are also called as prevención, which is a prevention, um, the time they give you to respond to them varies depending on the route that you submitted or the, re the requirements. But it's usually not that long of a time that you have to uh, respond. So if it, it's something like a legal document that takes a while to, 
to obtain, then you're in trouble, right? You, you really have to work fast to, to get those documents. But um, to answer your question, it does, it's not a dialogue with Copacris, unfortunately. You okay. have no idea what's going on, how, who's, who's reviewing your application, what's happening. You just hope that at the end, you get a good review. And obviously, if you submitted a good application, it's, it, you have, uh, you'll, you'll do good. So, so have, having somebody uh, there is really uh, kind of a, a, a must. You have to have somebody there that speaks Definitely. the language and that can go and uh, help you there uh, immediately. So, Definitely. Um, and we have strategies to follow up with Copa Priest. Obviously, we follow the official channels, the, the channels that are uh, by law, you know, the ones that you should follow. Okay. Uh, applications, if there's a delay, then we follow up with them until it gets approved because... That's what we need, approvals. <laughs> exactly. And um, I, I know that, for example, in, in Europe, you need an authorized representative, you need an mm -hmm. importer, uh, the same in the US, you need a US agent, etc. So um, do you need the same thing in, in Mexico? Do you need specifically to have uh, somebody that represents you? Yes, yes. So uh, international companies that want to register in Mexico, they need to have a, a legal representation in Mexico. And if they don't, they can register through a registration holder, authorized representative. Insumos, IPS, is one, can, can enact as a local representative for international companies. And that also um, gives us a big responsibility because we look after the surveillance. Once the market, the product is in market, we are entitled to, um, to, to look after the product. No? So, so we do that in collaboration with the distributors and with the manufacturer. You know? It's not a one person job. It's a collaboration between all of the, um, uh, the, the companies involved, you know? basically the manufacturer, the registration holder, and the distributors. Here, the manufacturer can name as many distributors as they want. Okay. So that's very good because they can diversify. Um, and, and if one partner does not prove right, then uh, they have others that can make up for that, or they can change the registration and eliminate distributors and then put another one that will hopefully prove better in terms of sales and, and marketing. So, but, um, yeah, go ahead. It's, uh, so so it's, it's better than to not take your distributor as your legal representative also? Um, that is... Uh, that is uh, something that the manufacturer should answer, you know, and, and, and I mean, we've seen a trend from our own clients that they go in other countries or other continents, Africa, Asia, through distributors. Okay. And they uh, have had um, bad experiences because um, the relationship goes sour and then they are not able to um, get the registration. You know, the, the owner is a distributor. So they have to re-register or they have, it's a loss of time and of money and of resources, right? Yeah. So uh, there are many um, of manufacturers that do choose to go through a distributor in Mexico and um, they, they have um, a, a business settlement there and whatever it's, it's right. But 
uh, we recommend going through uh, an authorized distributors for sure, because that gives them more flexibility into what uh, uh, partners they choose. Uh, it diversifies their opportunities. You know, you don't have all the eggs in one basket. You diversify them and have uh, more opportunities there. And also your registration is safe with us. You know, you can say, I want to change this distributor. I want this, that, you know, and, and we do it on your behalf. Also, distributors in Mexico, they have, they're good, you know, they, 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 they get the job done. Some are specialized in the public sector, some are specialized in the private sector, some both. But we've seen that they lack that regulatory expertise. So if you're going to a distributor, most likely they won't have a regulatory affairs team to get your application in COFEPRIS and approved in a good time, you know? So there would be a struggle there in the regulatory aspect. Yeah, it's it's also something that uh, we are recommending here in Europe. So there are also some some people that say, "Oh, can I take my distributor or my importer as my authorized representative?" And I always say, "I prefer you don't do that because yeah. if you have an issue with them, then you have to the, the the thing is that you have to place their name on the product. So if you have an issue with them, you have to change all your packaging again to change the yeah. name of the products and everything." Uh, which yeah. is a, a nightmare sometimes. So, so yeah, so it's uh, also something I recommend here in, in Europe. So uh, I would recommend the same then in, in Mexico to go. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's highly recommendable for sure. Yeah, it'll be easier for sure. And um, the other registration routes, uh, we stopped at standard review process, but yeah. uh, the other registration routes are the um, authorized third-party reviewer, which is basically... You finish your uh, dossier, okay. and instead of submitting to Cofepris, you submit it to an authorized third-party reviewer, which are authorized by Cofepris okay. as uh, external uh, companies, private companies, to review and pre-approve applications. So uh, you have, I think, more or less like 19 companies like this. Okay. And uh, they focus in pharmaceuticals and medical devices. So you send that application, they usually review it in 15 days, and then you submit it to COFEPRIS pre-approved. So this used to be a great option okay. in 2016 to 2018, more or less. You, know, you would get a class three approved in three months. Oh. You know? Even in, in, in 2018, we had a class three, uh, um, um, it was a stent, um approved in 30 days okay it was incredible you know just and because they went through this uh, this company that is authorized so is it because there is a good relationship and they this is working well so they have they are trusting those type of companies more right so so these uh authorized third-party reviewers they're audited by uh priests okay so they have to follow a certain um uh, standard and and quality system you know, that is aligned to Cofepris. And they uh, used to have um, uh, meetings between third-party reviewers and Cofepris while your application was in Cofepris to take care of any things that needed adjustments or any complementary information before Cofepris uh, gave you your approval or not. Uh, so that was a good way of collaborating and technically Cofepris had to train the folks in the third-party reviewers to align 
um, criteria, right? <laughs> and um, in 2018 in Mexico, we changed governments. Oh. So um, we have now uh, AMLO. And with this, every changing government, there's changes in um, key um, uh, administration areas. And so the head of COVID police changed. And with that, many of the, um, how we used to operate in COFEPRIS, many of those uh, criteria, processes changed completely. Okay. So from 2018 to now, it took a while to COFEPRIS to get traction. It's still in the changing process. I mean, we're in 2020 and it's still changing. It's still not adjusting. But they are not keen to working with third-party reviewers. Okay. So from late 2018 up to today, submitting through third-party reviewers is not advisable because the review times is taking more or less the same time as the, with the standard review process. So in terms of an investment in time and results, it does not make sense for us to advise our clients to submit under that route because they would be investing more resources because they have to pay for the uh, pre-review with a third-party company. And the um, time to market is pretty much the same as with the standard review process. So that is something that has made it longer and more complex to have um, uh, uh, in, in terms of time to market with our clients. Yeah. Okay. So I but imagine... I, I imagine, as you as you mentioned, that uh, yeah, the the different political situation can can yes. always come and put some troubles, if I can say, in the registration process. Uh, yeah. But uh, um, in terms of uh, in terms of of the the registration, then um, you, as you mentioned, so IPS is able to help medical device manufacturers for for that in Mexico. So, what does mean IPS again? Oh, IPS is insumos para la salud. Okay. And that literally means um, health supplies. Health. health supplies. Okay. Health supplies. So in Mexico, you have the regulation uh, for, for uh, pharmaceuticals and insumos para la salud regulation, which basically uh, encompasses all the other health supplies, which is medical devices and other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. And uh, so what, how IPS, how are you helping? And as you've said, maybe uh, you are, you can be the authorized representative, you can help for the registration. So um, uh, how, how is it working then? Oh, before that, Mornir, let me just uh, finalize the third uh, registration route. Okay. Which yeah, is sorry. the equivalency agreement, the equivalency agreement. So if your product is approved in the FDA, Health Canada and Japan, then um, and, and if you qualify, depending on the criteria of the equivalency agreement, then uh, the, um, the um, documents that you require to register would be less. Yeah, And the time to market is usually eight months for registering um, through the equivalency agreement route. So FDA, Canada, and Japan. So yes. there is no Brazil, there is no Europe, there is no all the other countries, so only those ones. No, yes, exactly. But also if you say, ah, you have 510K in the US. Well, yes, but you need a establishment inspection report. Okay. So that's one of the conditions and many manufacturers don't have that. You know, They have their 510K, but they don't, uh, FDA hasn't uh, paid a visit to them. So that's 
uh, a requisite that they require to register through the equivalency agreement route or uh, post-market surveillance report for class two and class three. They need to uh, put their adverse events and recall history records. Uh, so those are things, you know, that uh, kind of uh, not all um, products that are um, uh, approved through FDA, Health Canada, or Japan can qualify under this route, but we obviously take into consideration, look at the information that they give us and see if we can prepare a strategy to register through that route. I think it's good. So uh, as you've said, so I think it's important to have an expert uh, an expert in, in the different routes and to, to really guide those manufacturers instead of them spending a lot of time to uh, maybe go through the wrong route or to, to, to spend a lot of money on that. So, uh, and as we said, so IPS can help for that. So what then can you do? Yes, Monique. So uh, we like to think of ourselves of a um, one-stop shop, a 360 regulatory consulting firm. Okay. We understand that there are certain aspects that, happen before you decide to register, okay. during the registration process, and during the post-market phase. So that's how we break it down. So in terms of our solutions, if a, uh, we have market intelligence for uh, clients, specifically in, the, in uh, foreign clients, that they don't know much about Mexico, or they want to see what price point they enter with, uh, uh, with their product in Mexico, for example, which are the key players, benchmarking. So we have a, um, a service of market intelligence with our ally, Pragmatech, and we can deliver uh, qualitative and quantitative data, um, uh, market research information for our clients if they want to request that. So that's, that would be uh, one of the services. We also obviously are, are bread and butter, as they would say, Okay. is a regulatory strategy and submission. So we are, um, we don't specialize on one category or one class. We have experience in all of them and we can prepare new registrations, administrative modifications, technical modifications and renewals. So for all classes and categories, uh, we, we prepare all of that and we submit it to COPE. Please follow up until it's approved. Um, that goes hand in hand with um, hosting and post-market surveillance. So if you appoint us as your um, authorized representative, we make sure also to um, uh, do the post-market surveillance space and, um, and, and, and submit the, the renewal when it's, you know, maintain the, the, maintain the registration. Cofepris, if they have visits, they visit us. So we represent you before Cofepris, et cetera. And uh, we also have logistic services such as imports, uh, permits, and uh, distributor search and screening. A lot of um, clients from uh, worldwide, they say, we want to register, but we need a distributor. We don't know who those key players are. Mexico does not have a database of distributors. And uh, we have a, a distributor search service so we can... Uh, pre-screen some of the um, um, potential distributors that they might be able to work with the manufacturers. And we, of course, look into compliance with COFEPRIS, you know, basic compliance with COFEPRIS, such as like their operating license. You know, do they have one? Do they have the scope also to 
um, be able to distribute the specific medical device that you want to distribute, their experience in Mexico, you know, track record. That's very important to us, not only to recommend any distributor, but uh, recommend distributors that comply with the, the existing regulation. And we also have a service that's uh, focused on advertising. So COFEPRIS also regulates advertising. So whether it's advertising permits or adv advertising notices depends on where uh, the product is going, if it's going to health professionals or to the general public. And uh, we also have um, allies. Uh, one of our uh, biggest allies is Bioana, which is based in Monterrey. And they're focused on design and development. So say you want to um, design a prototype of a medical device and you want to explore elsewhere and, and maybe lower your cost with high quality work, then we would point you to them to uh, have that concept development, engineering team. They're great. We, we really like them. Great. And yeah, so that's uh, pretty much all of the um, services that we can offer to our client to our clients, but our bread and butter is regulatory affairs. No, I think it is great. As you mentioned, one stop shop for for all those things. So it's really a a great a great one. So uh, yeah, if you are listening and you are really interested to register your products in Mexico, then uh, contact uh, Josue Garza uh, from IPS. He will try to help you uh, on doing that and uh, investigate if uh, if you need uh, if you need the, the support or this service. Uh, so, Josue, so um, you are, um, as I said, you are really working on the Mexican region. Um, so is there any other regions that are really uh, also in scope of IPS? Yes, well, we have uh, certain partners um, in um, Central America. And that partner that we have um, looks at Central America as a region as a whole. So they have that advantage instead of just Nicaragua, El Salvador. You know, which in terms of market size is not very um, uh, attractive. But if you look at Central America as a region, that might be better as a strategy. You know, so we have a, a partner there, and also in Colombia, um, it's for products that you want to register in um, in Bima, uh, we can point you over there. In Brazil, we have a couple of partners as well, um, but of course. Uh, I mean, what we try to do is help our clients as much as we can, you know, but uh, we, we really want them to have a successful experience in, in, in Mexico and with the partners that we also have in, in, in those countries in Latin America. But for us, having a good, successful and easy uh, uh, experience for registering is uh, very important to us uh, because it's important to us to put ourselves in our clients' shoes. You know, there are many unknowns. Um, they even sometimes don't haven't had a chance to visit Mexico. Okay. So it can be their ears and eyes and experienced consultant for them and provide them peace of mind during that whole process. Then that's a very big win for us. Great. So really great. Thank you, Josue, for that. I think uh, it provides really a lot of uh, value for, for the people that are listening. So uh, yeah, if you are really interested to go to uh, Latin America, I think uh, Josue will be uh, your guide. <laughs> he can find you the right places to go and to uh, to help you on all the process. Uh, okay, Josue, so really thank you for, for that. 
thank you for your help. Uh, for all the people that are listening to this podcast, so don't hesitate to go uh, to your podcast provider and uh, to provide also a review just to tell that you like uh, this podcast. And don't also uh, hesitate to go if you are listening, if you are looking at that on the YouTube channel uh, to put a like and also uh, to provide a comment. If you have any comment, I will send that to Josue uh, so that he can answer to you. So, okay. So thank you, Josue. Really appreciate to have you on this uh, on this episode. Uh, and I hope really that uh, people will, uh, will contact you. Don't hesitate also to go to the show notes. I will put a lot of information so that you can also contact Josue uh, so that uh, you can reach out to him and, uh, and uh, ask for his support. Okay, Josue, so thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Oh, thanks so much for near. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much. 